Good morning. It's September 1st, Wednesday, September 1st. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trace Scott and joined right now by Steve Wolfong, 24-7 Sports Director of Recruiting. Steve, let's talk some depth charts today. I wanted to bring you on because nobody in our network in the world has a more intimate knowledge of these young players we see cropping up ahead of game week than you do. Uh, we appreciate you joining us. And, and I know you've got a ton of notes. I know you're ready to get right to it. I'm not going to ask you about Bishop Sycamore. I'm instead going to ask you about Will Shipley, Clemson true freshman who's on there too deep as a running back backup. Well, first off, it's no surprise that Will Shipley came right into Clemson and won his teammates over right away because he was one of the more mature prospects that I remember talking to in his class, was just always extremely professional. But when he talked about Clemson, he kind of turned into a kid again because that was his dream school for so long. And let's just, let's just even go back to his first experience on, on the Clemson campus. He showed up, already had a bunch of offers, won a state championship, had offers from Ohio State, Notre Dame, Florida, Stanford, Georgia, Oregon, but wanted the Clemson offer so bad and didn't take it for granted. So he was uber nervous for camp and he just laughed that he's about to go through his reps and there Dabo Sweeney walks over and is standing just a couple feet from him. He's almost kind of starstruck, but once the, once the ball dropped, he did his thing and obviously earned the, earned the offer from, from Clemson and ultimately chose Clemson over Notre Dame. But he's a guy that had laser time, four, four, six speed in the 40 yard dash rushed for over 2000 yards and 30 touchdowns as a junior. 582 yards receiving eight touchdowns, a two-time state champion on the prep level that foregoed his senior year to enroll early, which probably helped put him in position from understanding what he has to do standpoint at, at Clemson. And he's a guy that athletically was physically ready to go when he when he arrived, 200 pounds. Hmm. Uh, like I said, very mature, very dynamic, and very professional. It, it'll be exciting to see what he does at Clemson for the next three years. Yeah, they're going to work him in slowly as far as a feature role, Steve, but they'll get him the ball quickly. So if that makes any sense, like he's not going to be their starting running back right now. And it took Travis Etienne a few games as well, but he will be getting the ball and hopefully for them getting on the perimeter against Georgia. He's a guy that can give them a little bit of what they did with Etienne last year when, you know, they were struggling to run the ball, but they were still able to find other ways to get him the football. Will's proven that that he can do that. And then if you look at some of the best teams in college football every year, Trey, they're not featuring just one tailback. And so, you know, you got to figure there's there's enough of a workload for, for a couple guys in Clemson's backfield. So the Alabama receiver class was just r- ridiculous. Like four guys in the top 75 of the 24-7 sports composite. Of course, Bama loses four first-round receivers over a two-year span and then replenishes with this. JoJo Earl is a co-starter. Jai Hall is in there. Uh, Ja'Cory Brooks. These guys, how do you break their games down? Do we fit like one into the Ruggs category, one into the Judy? Can one be a Waddle or a Devontae? Or is, is it, are, they, are they all different enough like that? Or how do you see these guys matching and, and mixing? Well, I think for Alabama, when you look at what they've lost the last couple of years, you, you just named all those elite guys, Judy, Devontae Smith, Ruggs, and, and Waddle. It was important for them in last year's class to land a guy or two that could come in and make an instant impact alongside Mechie. Now they were able to go into the portal and get Jamison Williams, who was one of the fastest players uh, in, in his class a couple years ago. And he's he's starting for Alabama against Miami too, according to the depth chart. But they were going to count on some of these high school guys. JoJo Earl just had terrific career uh, in the state of Texas, had over a thousand yards receiving in his last three seasons, but also 
was a guy that was dynamic that they would just hand him the ball and, hmm. and, and uh, he would make plays in, in that regard and was outstanding in the return game, really was one of the more lightning in the bottle, touchdown waiting to happen guys in the class. Corey Brooks had a dominant junior year in South Florida. I think he had like 23 touchdowns, went to IMG Academy, had to share the ball. He was also one of the better 200 and 400 meter runners uh, in, in South Florida. And then Aggie Hall, I mean, he, he's a terrific receiver prospect would be a terrific db prospect just just a great football player that obviously had a had a great spring game so alabama hit big in that class obviously we should see the returns or it looks like we're going to see the returns early on excited to watch those guys moving down to austin texas you you wrote up in your notes got some young guns here a receiver xavier worthy i have no idea what happened with the michigan thing signed an loi got out of it in austin now but he's fast, fast. Answer the Xavier Worthy thing, and then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Hudson Card. I mean, Xavier Worthy was a receiver that was coveted by every major program in the country. Yet Alabama in there, we just talked about how important receiver was in, in, in their class. Xavier Worthy was a guy that they were all in on. You know, he, he committed to Michigan, had a great relationship with Josh Gaddis and those guys. But, you know, he's down at Texas now, and he was, you know, one of the fastest players in the country, had some of the best film in the country at the position uh, um, and uh, was a touchdown waiting to happen, just like Jojo Earl. I mean, he put the ball in the end zone, I think every, every fifth touch or so uh, over the, over the course of his career. And he ran 10, five, five in the hundred meter dash as a sophomore. So he's just got a ton of juice. And as Texas starts to put together this offense that, Steve Sarkeesian wants to mirror what he had in Tuscaloosa. Xavier Worthy's of that talent level. Got a chance to be as dangerous in his offense as the guys he coached uh, at Alabama. The Hudson Card was part of that two-quarterback class with Jaquindon Jackson in 2020. Jaquindon's already transferred to Utah, and Hudson Card just beats out Casey Thompson. He comes from a, a powerhouse high school football program on the suburbs of Austin and Lake Travis, produced Baker Mayfield, Garrett Gilbert, Todd Reesing, among others. What do you remember about Hudson Card? And I, I know we saw him up close and personal at the opening finals in the summer of 2019. Well, Lake Travis, sometimes you got to wait your turn right to play, and Hudson Card had to do that as a sophomore, so he didn't wait his turn on the bench sending in signs. This kid was a football player. He had over 1,000 yards receiving, almost 500 yards rushing, and still in spot duty threw for almost 600 yards with 25 touchdowns total, 13 of them receiving. So, I mean, he's he's a guy that watching Cade Klubnick at the Elite 11 Finals this year, the, the Clemson quarterback commit, just seeing him be a natural football player in between drills, catching the football one-handed, snagging it all over the place. Just kind of made me think of Hudson Card and just what a what a great football player he is beyond being a quarterback. Uh, but certainly when he got his chance under center, he threw for over 3,500 yards and 50 touchdowns to just four interceptions as a junior. That's special right there. Uh, I would imagine that was as good as anybody in the country uh, from a statistical standpoint, almost 68% completion percentage. But the, just the competitiveness, the, the the football player that he is, no surprise that he's the guy that Texas is going to build this program around under Sarkeesian. And I think when you look at some of the guys that they're recruiting, if Hudson Card comes out and plays well, and you know that he's got a few more years, if you're Evan Stewart, if you're Jaleel Skinner, some of those five-star talents that Texas is still recruiting, some of those offensive linemen that they're in on, your program is just uber exciting right now if Hudson Card comes out and, and, and shows the kind of promise that he did at Lake Travis. Really quiet kid, but apparently his teammates love him. And uh, you, you mentioned that he had those receiving touchdowns. You know, yeah, played receiver sophomore year at Lake Travis, waiting his turn up to Big Ten country. Steve, 
Wisconsin. I remember Jack Nelson, the offensive lineman in high school. We gave him a five-star rating. This is, I don't have the depth chart in front of me. Has he already jumped Logan Brown? Are they both starting? Regardless, this, this kid's made an impressive debut in, in shorter order. Yeah, no, Logan. Logan's uh, running second on the depth chart, and he is starting at guard. I text one of my sources around the Wisconsin program once I saw that Jack was at the top of the depth chart, and my source texts back, he's a killer. But he was six foot six, three and three fours, two hundred eighty-two pounds at the All America Bowl. He was a member of our All Lobby team. He had such a great frame. He played. I want to say he played like in a all running offense or small school ball in Wisconsin. Don't quote me on that, guys. But I know that like he wasn't someone that was supposed to be seasoned at the All America Bowl. He was just destroying dudes in practice. He is a tenacious, physical, mean son of a gun that I'm sure has gotten a lot stronger since the last time I've seen him in person. And he's a guy that we think will ultimately hear his name in the first round. And he's tracking to be a three-year start. I suppose he could leave after Mm -hmm. next year. But um, he's a guy that's going to play and start a lot of football games in Madison. And he was special at the All-America Bowl. And he's one of the young guys playing on the offensive front for Wisconsin in their big game against Penn State. Well, yeah, you mentioned all those things. You mentioned the frame, late bloomer, positional versatility. I'm thinking, yeah, like we, we've got a 2023 or 2024 first rounder on our hands in, in Jack Nelson. Uh, another probable first rounder one day, Blake Fisher. The hype is crazy for this for this Notre Dame left tackle. Steve, you know pretty well, it's hard to start as a true freshman on the offensive line at Notre Dame. They haven't had anyone do that in, in 15 years. I believe Blake's going to do it. And week one, Sunday night against Florida State, matched up against probably Jermaine Johnson, who many believe to be FSU's best defender. And this is part of a great O-line class. I'm just blown away, though, at how how good and how fast Blake Fisher's been. And you talk about Notre Dame, who traditionally has recruited the offensive line position as well as anybody in America. They bring in all Americans at the position every year, including Blake Fisher and the amount of draft picks that they've produced and first rounders and household names at the position that are playing in the NFL right now. Zach Martin, Quentin Nelson, Ronnie Stanley uh, to rip off a few. None of those guys started as true freshmen. Like you said, it goes back to Sam Young, who was out of Fort Lauderdale, St. Thomas Aquinas, 15 years ago or whatever it was, back when Notre Dame didn't even have a training table. Their football players had to eat fast food in between practice, and Sam Young had to put rolls of quarters in his pockets when he stepped on the scale to make weight to play. So that program's come a long way. And Blake Fisher is a young man that uh, I think had to drop some weight, but he was a tenacious player in high school, very physical Played on both sides of the ball for Avon High, a 6A program in the largest class uh, in the state of Indiana. And uh, a guy that was always very mature. Um, and he's a guy that's obviously earned a spot, beat out some former All-Americans and some guys that, you know, uh, when you talk to Notre Dame each offseason about who's doing well, a lot of guys that Blake Fisher beat out were guys that we were getting good returns on. I think Rocco Spindler is another guy to keep an eye on that could play a lot early for Notre Dame. As I do replace four starters and talking to one of their coaches uh, a while back, no one's going to feel sorry for Notre Dame. It's a program that people expect to reload, particularly at that position. They're going to reload with an 18-year-old here with Blake Fisher running out of the tunnel on Sunday night against Florida State. Steve, I know we don't have all the time in the world, but I heard you perk up talking about that Notre Dame stuff. Were you covering them back back then? Were yep. you already there? Okay, uh, so was that Charlie Weiss? They didn't have a locker room? They ate fast food? So they didn't have a training table because Notre Dame was one of those schools where they wanted their students to eat in the, uh, the cafeteria with the other students. It was part of the experience. And Charlie Weiss was the one that fought for the training table and got him a training table. But without a training table, your diet's not where it needs to be 
and, and other schools were starting to obviously get into the training table era. What will blow you away even more is when I went to spend some time at Miami, Mark Rick's first year, they had just got a training table at Miami. And so Miami was dominant in the 80s and 90s when football was a speed game and nutrition wasn't as much of a factor. But when nutrition became a major factor in college football, Miami and Notre Dame went through some tough times when they didn't have the right nutrition. And I'm, and, and I'm not just pinpointing that one area, but we're in a time where Ohio State finds out that Iowa is spending $2 million on their food for their football team, that Ohio State the next year is spending $2 million. <laughs> you know, yeah. and so, so Notre Dame and Miami were playing uh, a little, you know, with, a, with one arm tied behind their back without a training table for a while. Wow. Wow. Crazy. That's, that's good stuff, Steve. We're kind of lumping Oregon and North Carolina in the same bunch here as we round this thing out. I'm stealing your line. Two top 10 teams are, you know, if not exactly top 10 back end, you know, maybe number 11, 12, building toward eventual national playoff appearances and, and titles, perhaps still finding ways to break in young players who represent the next wave of stardom. I'm, I'm stunned at all these young Oregon players out there. They got a, a freshman starting at receiver in Troy Franklin. We all know about the linebackers, Justin Flo, Noah Sewell. Got Dante Manning listed as a co-starter at cornerback, I'm assuming. This is, I mean, the, the fruits of Mario Cristobal's recruiting labors are beginning to pay off, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. And you talk about Troy Franklin as, as you know, he, him and Worthy were receivers that people were going to, every school in the country was going to California and trying to land and it was a major coup for the Pac-12 and specifically Oregon, obviously, to keep Troy Franklin in their league. And and, and sounds like he's got a chance to make a big impact early. And Dante Thornton was another receiver on the two deep, a big, strong, physical receiver from uh, the East Coast. And I'm excited to see these linebackers play. Justin Flo got hurt last year. Um, Mace Funa, Noah Sewell. Flo and Sewell were five stars. Mace Funa was a top 100 recruit. Wet Matter Day made a ton of plays uh, uh, on that defense that was very loaded. And then Dante Manning um, was a three, you know, impacted the game in all three facets from the state of Kansas. Ran extremely well. I think he was in the 10 threes as well. And, you know, Oregon and the next school we're going to talk about, North Carolina, those are schools that maybe you throw $100 down on and get a nice little return on them making the playoffs because there's certainly schools that are in the back end of the sentence of programs that you mentioned have a chance to make the college football playoff. The Flo Sewell linebacker combination, is there a scarier duo? I mean, when I think about these guys, I think of physical intimidation, don't you? Well, I think that they can play the type of smash mouth football that you're looking for to win a game in January. Uh, against uh, another elite team. I mean, those are guys that can stand up physically against the players in the SEC. And mm-hmm. and so back when USC was winning big, they were winning big with guys like Flo and Sewell. And, and honestly, Oregon's the Pac-12 school that's probably had, not probably, Oregon is the Pac-12 school that has had the most success in the college football playoff era. And uh, here they are again as the the Pac-12 favorite going into the season, counting on young guys like these these cats. Uh, last one, North Carolina. You got a backup running back here, Caleb Hood. Who we need to know about? Uh, tell me, tell me more about Caleb, and then we'll uh, got two more names for the Tar Heels. Yeah, well, bringing this show full circle, Will Shipley's getting a lot of love as the ACC true freshman running back to watch, but Caleb Hood's going to be outstanding for the Tar Heels. 230 pounds already with 4-4 speed, and uh, he showed up 235. A source called him a workout freak. They had to trim him up a little bit to get him down to 230, but he's he's a guy that maybe early on he's getting just six, seven carries against Virginia Tech, but I bet by the end of the year, he is a major part of the offense and a guy that has a chance to hear his name called early in the NFL draft a couple years down the road, and then 
again, uh, on their defensive line, they've recruited that position incredibly well uh, since Mac Brown's been there. Javari Ritzy is a true freshman defensive lineman that I wish would have been able to play as a senior. And I wish we would have seen in the All-America Bowl because I bet we would have had him as a five-star. Uh, he's a guy that we trended up going into the season that, and then never got to see him again. But a source over there said they'd never seen a, a more college-ready defensive lineman in their career. And Power Eccles is a linebacker that has always been around the ball his entire career. If you go back and look at him on the high school level, terrific in the state title game as a junior, uh, um, just a nose for the football and great instincts. And, and I think that's already shown up in Chapel Hill. Well, Steve, if I'm a North Carolina fan, I'm just going to assume your source is, is Mac Brown, because that would be quite the statement about college ready defensive linemen, but I, I know it's, it's not Mac and we're not outing Mac either. Appreciate you joining us. Take care y'all. See you on the blue board. All right, that'll do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. I think we went a little over 20 minutes, but good stuff. Good luck finding this kind of info anywhere else. Our producer is Lance Glenn. That was Steve Wolfong. My name is Trey Scott. Have a great Wednesday. We'll talk to you on Thursday, game day, previewing the Ohio State wave of freshmen on the next episode of the College Football Daily. 